It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, a business visionary, and welcome to Toronto's Podcast, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source of the great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today we're with Jeffrey Doucette, CEO of Career JSM, a software company that helps job seekers manage their job search. Jeffrey, welcome to Canada's podcast. And, you know, as I was just saying to you beforehand, we're going to cover your story, but we're going to kind of go in and out of useful tips during the, during this crisis. You know, you might be, be able to, uh, to throw into it. Um, and I think, you know, I just read about the fact that you're opening up your career wellness platform for people that have lost their jobs due to COVID-19. So why don't we kick off, you know, that, that seems pretty useful. So why don't we kick off by telling us a bit about that? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. You know, yeah, as, as you mentioned, I'm the CEO of Thrive Career Wellness Platform. And so our business model is we offer uh, our services to large corporations who, whenever they are either redeploying employees or laying off employees, they will give them access to our career wellness platform, which will help them transition and find their next job opportunity. And that includes everything from software to, you know, building a resume um, to accessing career coaches, accessing upskilling and reskilling platforms and software to track and, and manage your job search, a real full suite of tools. And we've been doing this for, for quite a while. And what we realized was that when, once this crisis hit, particularly the first wave of this crisis, a lot of the individuals who have been impacted by COVID are not going to get any sort of career transition services. Um, and their, their employers are not in a position to offer any career transition services, especially industries like small businesses, um, restaurant, hospitality, tourism. A lot of these companies saw their revenues drop by 80%. Um, and these are to a hundred percent and it's awful. And, so we understood really quickly that, you know, these, these individuals would never, would not get access to our services. And we saw that shocking news that everyone saw that, you know, half a million, million Canadians applying for unemployment insurance. So at that point, we decided to do what we could to support those individuals. So we worked really quickly to uh, make our software available for free um, to a lot of those, those individuals. And so we launched about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, that individuals who were impacted by COVID um, could access our website, uh, thrivemycareer.com, and they'll see a prompt to request access to our software. And it's really simple. They can, you know, request access, and they will be then invited to our platform and get access to a wide array of our software tools to help them uh, find their next job opportunity. Fabulous. That's terrific. Okay, well, that's a great start in terms of, you know, coming in now, but let's sort of go back to the theme, and, and, and it's your story that we really want to, to hear about, Jeffrey. You know, I know you, from, you 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 went to Mac. I'm I'm you know we were just saying I'm you know you know exactly where I am in Hamilton. But you know, tell, yeah. us, tell us a bit more about yourself. You know, why do you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's not I did not anticipate doing this. Um, and so I went to McMaster University. I graduated in 2013, and uh, I was really involved in student politics during my undergrad. I actually met my business partner, who's our chief technology officer, Tristan, uh, probably in second year of university because he worked at the print and design studio and worked on a number of projects together. And um, after I 
I graduated, I was elected as the vice president of finance of the student union at McMaster, the McMaster Student Union. And uh, during that year, I spent a lot of time arguing with the career department that they were not doing enough with the money that our student, that students gave them for career services. And I felt that the software that students got access to whenever they were in university to help them find their next job was antiquated, outdated, um, and, and not quite frankly, very helpful. And so, you know, Tristan and I talked a lot about this problem. Uh, I'd written my LSATs and planned to go to law school. And, uh, and he had started a startup that, that ended up getting acquired. And we decided to be, it'd be good to work together on solving this problem. Uh, so we started building software uh, to help job seekers uh, manage their job search and, uh, you know, started selling it to university and colleges to start out. And the rest is history. It's evolved a lot, but that, that's why we got started, really just wanting to, to help people find their next job. Coming back to the crisis we're in, you know, I don't think we understand what damage it's doing to the economy yet. I think we might, you know, next month and the month after. Is there still the lining that you see coming out of this? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. And I think it's, it's, it's hard to, to think about a silver lining sometime right now because things, mm -hmm. you know, are, are so bad. Um, but I think that, you know, just like on a personal level, you start to realize like how much you enjoy working with some of your colleagues and, and with, with some of your friends and take, start to take like almost some of these small experiences um, that we had in our day-to-day -day life that weren't, didn't seem like a big deal. You know, you're no longer taking them for granted. Um, and I think that really easily, like on a personal level, that's been something that uh, I'm taking for, I'm taking a, I'm realizing um, more like at a, on a corporate level. I think that there are, and in a business perspective, um, I think a lot of companies, you know, are starting to adopt, will start to adopt some more flexible um, and transparent, like, work styles for their employees, mm -hmm. um, whether that's by implementing more software so that individuals can work easily from home or be more flexible about what it means to be a worker from your employee. Do you, do you need to be in the office nine to five? Um, mm -hmm. I think that you'll start to see some of those positive outcomes, um, mm -hmm. but we'll see how long it takes for things to return to normalcy. Are you taking any advantage of the government subsidies that they're announcing? Have you been able to access any of them as yet? So there's, there's actually been a lack of clarity around what companies are eligible or not eligible for. And I know that especially in the startup ecosystem, um, mm -hmm. it's been very challenging to understand that. So like at this point, we have, we have not been taking advantage of any of those subsidies. Um, and uh, there's, they might not apply to, to a company like ours. Uh, so we're, you know, proceeding as business as is, and we'll wait for a bit more clarity around what those subsidies mean. Uh, but right now, no, we, we haven't been uh, taking advantage of any of those. Is this the greatest challenge you face in the business? Because you've been, you've been doing this for a while now. Is there any other challenges that you, you've learned from that you could pass on? Yeah, so I would say this is definitely the greatest challenge. I think one thing that's different about this challenge from a business perspective than any other challenge that I've faced to date is um, challenges that are just unique to your business can sometimes be very challenging, but they're easy to focus on. And what I'm personally finding right now is like, I'm worried about my business. I'm worried about the health of my business. I'm worried about a lot of my friends' businesses. But then I'm also worried about like the health of my my parents. My mom works in frontline healthcare at a hospital in Mississauga. Like I'm, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the health of a lot of my colleagues. 
Um, and so, you know, I wasn't an entrepreneur in the 2008 recession. Um, I was actually still in high school, but I, I think that in that case, you were still only worried about your business. There was not all these other social implications, which have made it like, like a lot harder. And I think that that's the, the real problem right now, or not the real problem, but what really amplifies all of this is, is that mm-hmm. it's not, this is not just a business problem. It's like a social health problem. And there, there's all these other issues. And I'll relate that to something else that I was, I'm concerned about in the sense that whenever somebody loses their job and when there's a recession, there's like a lot of very challenging issues that, that they face. And we know that during a recession, you know, rates of addiction go up, that um, rates of domestic violence go up, like all these negative things happen due to job loss. Well, I was walking by a social services and employment center in Toronto the other week, and like they're not open. They're not open because they're not able to see patients or see people face to face because of social distancing. And so I think that those things are very concerning because the second phase of how we return to normalcy when if social isolation is still in, in effect, it's going to make that return challenging. And, and those are things we're constantly thinking about and trying to think about how it can solve or solve some of those problems. But it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, challenging. It is challenging. You know, over the long haul, will, will COVID-19 mean that you change your business model, you think? I mean, maybe it's too early to say, I don't know. I think that it's it's created us to evolve our business model a little bit. We've talked in the past, so we're primarily a B2B business. So we only sell our services to enterprise um, through a traditional B2B business-to-business sales cycle. Um, we mm-hmm. have always thought about becoming, okay, do we want to be more consumer-facing? Should we make our product more consumer-facing? Mm-hmm. And those are things that, you know, due to bandwidth, due to focus, due to resources we, we haven't pursued up until now, um, just because of the business is growing and things of that nature. Obviously, given this crisis and our team was really motivated to try to do something, you know, it's enabled us to start looking at, okay, do we want to invest in more consumer products or do we want to, you know, look at distributing our products directly to consumers? And so that's, uh, that's still taking place. We're still in the early days of testing it. We're getting really positive feedback from users. So I, I wouldn't say so much as that we're looking to change our business, but it might cause a natural evolution. I mean, I'm going to go back to, the, to, to my other series. Let's just move away from, from some of, the, some of the, the situation stuff. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self as you kind of were at university and, and, and peddling around there? politicizing around that maybe <laughs> you know i think that the the biggest advice you know i give myself and this is something that i still um uh, struggle to adhere to today mm-hmm. and something that you know constantly focusing on mm-hmm. is um uh, being able to focus on the right feedback and focusing on the feedback that's most relevant to what you're trying to do at this time right and so what i mean by this is you launch a business, you're an entrepreneur with one friend, you're with one business partner and you launch that business. Now all of a sudden you're getting feedback from everybody on what you should be doing, how you should be doing that. And I think that the easy thing to do a lot of the time is to take all that feedback in, treat all that feedback at the same level of importance and 
you can become almost overwhelmed with outside noise as to how you're running your business. What I think matured on and what I've learned more when you're, you know, evolving as an entrepreneur or as an individual or as a professional or even as a student politician mm-hmm. is honing in on the feedback that, you know, really matters and the feedback that is the most valid and relevant to what you're focusing on at that time. So like, for example, right now, like the feedback that a customer gives me is more important than the feedback that one of my investors gives me. And even if that investor sits on my board of directors and has invested a substantial amount of revenue or into my business, not of revenue of capital, I'm going to put the vice president of HR at a major Canadian corporation way above them in terms of, what feedback I'm, I'm focusing on and they get that and they understand that when you articulate that clearly. Um, and so, you know, as even a student politician, when I was 20, I probably got too upset about what someone was saying on a Facebook thread about a decision you're making about a campus bar. And, and those are certain things that I think that I think I've gotten better at, um, but that's the biggest mm-hmm. feedback is like understanding what feedback you should be testing for and, and leaning in on that because you can get, become scrambled eggs and, and listening to all these different things. It's interesting. I'm just looking at some of my questions, which were kind of location-based, but I think the last three or, three or four weeks made me realize that location-based is less and less of a factor. or It's still there, but it's so much less of a factor for many businesses than it has been. I think, I think, right. you know, I think that's something going forward. But on the advice side of it, and I'll, oh, I ask this to everyone because I really like the answers. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, that's, that's a good one. And it, honestly, it's very simple advice. Call your customers and ask them what they need. You know, Sir Terry Matthews, an iconic Canadian entrepreneur, is uh, one of the investors in our companies. And, you know, he always goes off about how a lot of people overcomplicate business. They overcomplicate pricing models. They overcomplicate everything. You know, if you build a trusting relationship with your customers, you get them on the phone, you ask them what they want, and you ask them what they're willing to pay for it. And if they say they're going to pay for it, then you build it. Um, and and that is, I think, you know, very simple, but a lot harder than it sounds like advice to execute on as an entrepreneur. It's very easy to, like, dream up new product ideas on your own. It's very easy to come up with complicated pricing models on your own. You know, it's, it's very harder. It's a lot harder to have just a transparent conversation mm-hmm. with your customer mm-hmm. and just ask them what they need. So we're an extremely customer centric company. It's driven by, by that sort of advice. And, you know, it's, it's quite simple, um, but it's uh, the most easy advice to follow if you actually believe in it mm-hmm. and, and you take that as far as you can. So let's, let's, let's go about to what I term rapid fire questions that are really focused on you and your response. Okay. Yeah. If you weren't doing what you do for work now, what would you be doing instead? I think that uh, I would be working in public policy and politics um, in some capacity. I've always been interested in solving large problems on a large scale, and you know yeah. that's a way to do it. So, what book are you currently reading, listening to? I mean, I think we're all reading more because you know we're 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 here. We're not going out when we when we can't talk with our customers yeah. and, so, and friends. So I'm just looking at it and, you know, this is, so this is the book that uh, actually I, I read it probably a month or two ago, but it's the one that's resonated with me a lot recently. So that's the one I'm going to flag. 
Um, it's uh, What You Do Is Who You Are by Ben Horowitz, um, uh-huh. who's a venture capitalist. And uh, it's a fantastic read. I really suggest anyone, um, any business leader read it. It's something that I've particularly referenced a lot right now um, in this crisis. You know, I think a lot of individuals and at your company are looking to to their leaders to lead them through this crisis and taking direction from them. And that book is all about, you need to be what you preach. And, and that's, that's how you lead. And it's, I'm not sure. Have you heard of the book? Yes. Yes, I have actually. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read it. Yeah. So I, will, I shall. I'm going to read that. You should. Okay. Well, this is a good one because this also says when, when we're all socially isolated, I think you learn this a lot better. Are you a morning or a night person? I'm a morning person. Um, and I think that, uh, that's the one thing that become, became easy to forget whenever we're you're in your condo all the time. Like I'm a get up, work out in the morning, get outside in the morning type person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so 100% a morning person, Op- the opposite of my business partner. So, but, uh, that's, that's where <laughs> that's we offset. We're, no, that, we're not all the same. That's good. So <laughs> if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? I would say probably a combination of two words, but like aggressively pragmatic. I think that uh, try to be like as aggressive as possible and do as much as you can with like realistic goals and outcomes. Apart from COVID-19, is anything else keeping you up at night? Yeah, like, well, a lot of things like, um, you know, this is, uh, like I said, it's it's a very uh, interesting time. And I think that, you know, everything that's related to, to why I'm waking up at night is probably related to COVID-19. But I think that, you know, it's the intersection that this virus has caused in all different facets of our life. And that's, you know, everything from how it's disrupted our daily work patterns to our health. Um, and I think that, you know, there's the optimistic group that believes that this is going to, like, return really quickly or to normalcy. And once the restrictions are lifted, I tend to be another group i think that this is going to have like a, a longer tail return to normal and i think that we're going to see a lot of implications on that long tail return and we haven't quite you know sorted that out entirely um as well as the geopolitical implications yeah i, I think I, i'm not so sure where we end up geopolitically but i think i've been reading a fair amount about it i think we're we're going to see an acceleration in trends i mean you know Remote work, remote workforces were growing fairly dramatically anyway, but now it's it's you know it's a question of they will dominate, and local workforces will become very different. So certain work, worker trends will just you know stay stay here. Others you know I don't know what happens to uh, sort of hospitality and things like that. I really, I really don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like. Um... I think that there's there's a couple of different groups of people though, and it's interesting is like at our company, like probably the first week, a lot of people were like, "Oh, working remote, this isn't too bad. We're liking it, everything of that nature." By week four, everyone's like, "This is we want to be back in the office." Like, well, I don't, you, we you don't like to, working remote. You had to, have you had to lay anyone off, or, or are you lucky? You haven't been. We're lucky. We haven't. We're, had yeah, we're we're in a fortunate position where we have not had to lay anyone off. Well, that's, that's two good news stories, at least. That's fine. <laughs> and I'm going to ask the silly question at the end because I think we need some lightness about it all. You know, yeah, yeah, sure. 
which is, you know, there's a small tropical island in the middle of the ocean with only one phone booth and no internet. We drop you off there with no technology. And yeah, there's no COVID-19, but you can't, you can't use that as an, as an excuse to answer, okay? At any time, you can use the phone booth on the island to call a boat to come pick you up. How long would you last normally before making the phone call? And what would you do until then? Well, is there any reason why I'm not allowed? Like, is there any incentives to stay there? That's your call. I'm not leaving you. you know. See, that's, see, this is the thing. I was like, I don't think I'd last very long. Uh, yeah, okay. and, and that's <laughs> and like, I mean, but see, this is the, the, the joke. Like, if there was incentive to last, oh, yeah. you could, you maybe probably there's a there's a fishing rod. I mean, it's beautiful beach. Yeah, those maybe I maybe I, maybe I'd last three or four days, um, and uh, relax for three or four days, and say, okay, I'm out of here. Got other things to do. Um, if there was an incentive to stay there, like I I I'm a very incentive based person. I probably would would stay for a long time if I had to. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, if there's no incentive, I'd probably yeah relax for a little bit, get some. Uh, some sunshine and then be out of there. Okay, just just one sort of parting shot. I mean, in terms of you know the future, I mean, you've given us some ins insights. Any big thoughts about where we go from here? Yeah, so so I do, and I think that the reality is is that prior to COVID, a lot of these sectors that have been hit really hard by COVID were already starting transformations to change their sectors in the foreseeable future with technology. And so what I mean by this is, is that, uh, you know, prior to COVID, banks were talking about they're no longer being tellers. Retail companies were talking about how there won't be a physical store anymore. And they were starting to look at how do they prep their workforce, retrain their workforce, and start to move a lot of those more services digital. Um, I and they're expecting that to happen over the next decade. I think that that is going to be dramatically accelerated um, over over the next four or five years, yeah. and that you know certain sectors of the economy like aren't coming back, and that certain processes are going to change, and they're not coming back. And those can be processes like in specific industries that we just discussed, um, but it can also be processes related to any other company. So I'll give you another example. Um, what do you think has been one of the most stressful things about being an entrepreneur right now in, in COVID? Um, you, you're probably not going to guess it. No, no, I don't know. Getting, getting paid on time. And this is why. Oh, I, I, I mean, from, from my perspective, yeah, my receivables projections are, are yeah. about 90, 90 days off, you know, I mean. Everybody, no sucks. one is, no one, shockingly enough, most major corporations were not digital in their entire payment process, mm -hmm. meaning that they still printed checks, they still had to have approvals in place, and now they're scrambling to change those. Mm -hmm. And once they change them, like that's not coming back. And that is the sort of things that I think we'll see this like really quick acceleration. Same as government. Government is putting in new processes in different areas that pre previously it would take like three years to get approvals to do so. And now they're having to do them. Um, and those, those won't come back. And so I, those are some of the positive things that I think will, will come out of this is mm -hmm. that positive business outcomes will change um, for the nature and for the better. And, and those, those won't come back. Um, and uh, that, that's just a prediction that, that I have. 
So, uh, you know, this always spurs questions and people sometimes want, want to get a hold of you, Jeffrey. Uh, how can people get a hold of you online if they, if they have some so, questions? So a couple of easy ways. You know, if you're a Twitter person, you can follow me on, find me on Twitter, Jeffrey underscore Doucette on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, just typing in Jeffrey Doucette. Um, or you can email me directly at jeffrey at thrivemycareer.com. Thanks, Jeffrey. That was really great. Some, some good insights. Hopefully we helped, helped a few people uh, with, with their thoughts. And uh, uh, thanks very much for being on Canada's podcast. No problem. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.